Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a lot to get into this week. Uh, LSU basketball and baseball had some games this week. Up and down, we'll get into that. Uh, there was also the NFL Combine, plenty of Tigers showing out, and uh, plenty of other stuff to get into as, uh, as much as we have time for. But before we do, just wanted to remind you, please... Follow us on Twitter if you're not already doing so, at Talkin' Tigs. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook as the Talkin' Tigs podcast. And we're also on iTunes and Spotify as well. So uh, before we get going, I want to check in with my uh, co-host as always. Uh, guys, how are you doing? Look, it's good to be back here again another week. It's a pretty exciting week because uh, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the listeners can, uh, can tell we've got that upgraded quality. <laughs> sounded a lot better, a lot clearer over the airwaves or the digital, whatever waves they're at these days with phones. But uh, nonetheless, pretty excited about that. Um, hopefully, you know, that upgrades our quality and makes it a little bit more enjoyable for uh, for y'all to listen. And, uh, you know, what better time to do an upgrade? Because it seems like some uh, some of our Tiger teams need a little bit of an upgrade after the week we had. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been a long time coming. We're what, like 31 episodes in here are finally getting into the big leagues, but we're here nevertheless, and hopefully it provides maximum enjoyment and an analysis of these Tigers who, like Tommy said, had a, a bit of a, a rough weekend patches, which we'll, I guess, dive into right here. Yeah, um, so along that front, not as much maximum enjoyment. Uh, I guess we could start with uh, basketball. Uh, the Tigers went one and one. Um, they did not fare well against the Florida Gators, someone they probably should have beaten, but they just were never really in the game. Uh, but then they also won handily against Texas A&M at home, which I believe uh, two-thirds of Talking Tigs was able to attend. But uh, I guess let's start with uh, – I guess let's start with the Florida game. Um, I don't know. It's uh, – I mean, you, you look at the record and you look at Florida and you think, you know, maybe LSU probably should have had this one, but uh, they, they just were never really in the game. They never really made it close. You know, they, Florida was up big and this was one of those games where you think, all right, well, is LSU about to make the run and either win by two or lose by two at the very end? But they, they didn't. They, you know, they kind of lost by double digits. So, um, I don't know, guys, is it uh, – is there, are we hitting a downslope before, uh, before the tournaments or I don't know, is it just, uh, you know, one game and time to move on? What, uh, let's start with, uh, let's start with you, Tommy. What, what, what was your take on that? At least that first game, uh, yeah, it, they just, they were never in it. It's, yeah. You know, it was, it was disappointing. And, and, um, you know, I watched, I watched, uh, pretty much till the, till the end when we ended up losing and, uh, I kind of, we kind of turned it off. I think Daniel, me and you were, we, me and you were watching on the old PlayStation, and uh, right when it was pretty much apparent that LSU was uh, not gonna not gonna take home the victory, we uh, switched it over to Call of Duty. So <laughs> um, that uh, you know that kind of says it all. I think that I think that you know hopefully we're kind of getting getting all of the bad play we can get out right now. <laughs> Just go ahead and get it out of our system yeah. because it it really seems like we're kind of on the the you know if you look at this team a month and a half ago compared to where it is now it's like night and day. And so, you know, maybe we peaked a little bit early, you know, we weren't playing our best basketball at the right time, 
or maybe, you know, there's some, there's definitely some issues. I'm not exactly sure, you know, is it offense? Is it defense? Is it uh, like we've said earlier uh, before on this podcast, lack of a point guard, like a true point guard. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like they're, uh, they're rebounding as well as they were about, you know, three weeks ago, last about three or four weeks ago when we were, you know, taking, taking Auburn to overtime playing Kentucky close. Um, you know, it, that was, that was, that team was, was crashing the boards, getting a ton of offensive rebounds. It doesn't seem like we're getting that as much. Um, then that, the injury to Charles Manning that hurts as well. Um, so, you know, it's like a culmination of things, but it's, it's kind of disappointing because I know we're getting, I know we're talking about Florida right now, but even that in the A&M game, you know, we won handily, but, uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it, they, he played around with them a little bit and yeah. A&M did not look like a very good team mm-hmm. that needed to be in that game as much as they were. Yeah. For me, it kind of just comes down to one guy and that's Skylar Mays. It's just kind of a tale of two cities. Like when he was in the Florida game, he was held to three points in 31 minutes, just completely uncharacteristic for him. Like one for six from the, the field like how does he only have three points in that many minutes when he's the guy that the whole offense is flowing through and so he's like I think junior or no senior excuse me like got to step up and then he obviously did in that next game against A&M he played like really well I think he had 25 something like that Uh, he was dishing the ball around knocking down threes and that just kind of ignites the whole team so if he doesn't have a big game it seems like LSU has a tough time really getting their mojo going uh and just guard play in general, like against Florida, both Mays and uh, Javante Smart really got beat down by Florida's guards. While our guys inside Emmett Williams and Darius Days did all right, it seems at this point that we really have to have all the pieces come together uh, for a complete win. And then, uh, like you're kind of going into with the A&M game, it was low scoring the whole way. I think at like 10 minutes in, we were on pace for like – 35 yeah we were on pace for like 50 and a was on pace for like 30 or something like that it was a little bit ended up higher scoring 64 to 50 that's still pretty low especially for an LSU team that's used to scoring like 75 ish a game um and they kind of played the the opposite way against Florida where we just jumped out to the lead never gave it back we hang around with Florida the the final score wasn't really close but both teams just kind of trended in the same direction the whole way it wasn't like there was really kind of runs one way or the other but uh, we'll see if we can kind of find our mojo a little bit in this last week before preparing for the tournament. Yeah, they're going to need to. Um, at this point, LSU went from probably, you know, a sure lock to the tournament to now probably probably being on the bubble watch. Uh, I feel, you know, depending on how these next couple of games go, you know, they'll probably have to win out and do well in the SEC tournament just to make the dance. But I, I don't know. I mean, if, yeah. if they don't – not to interrupt, I was looking at a at a mock bracket just before the podcast, and they had us projected as an eight seed in there. And typically, yeah, like the the eight through ten is what you would consider kind of the or eight through twelve is like the bubble at large teams without like the super small schools occupying the the lower spots. So I think right now we were we were considered in, and but if we just lay some eggs in the last two games and the regulars in the, in the SEC, SEC tournament, then we'll definitely be on bubble watch. So I think if we pick up at least one of three there, we'll be in. If we go over three, then that's where the Tigers really got to start sweating. Yeah. And it, you'd mentioned uh, finding our mojo. And I think that's what, what needs to happen. It seems like they had some mojo when they were eight, no, in, in the SEC play, but they've gone, you know, they, they've, they've had a losing record ever since. 
And I don't know, it's, it's, it's like you said, the little things. And I was watching some of that Florida game and Skylar Mays had an absolute beautiful move. He was out on the, uh, on the wings and he juked some dude and then he ran up on the baseline and then he missed an open two-handed dunk. And it was just so untypical. And it was just, you, I don't know, just little things like that where you thought, you know what, this team is just not playing with the same with the same mojo, with the same vigor, because I think normally you just wouldn't expect Skylar Mays to miss an open-handed dunk like that. So it's just it's just little things. I, I don't know. It's um losing Charles Ming definitely hurts because, you know, uh lo- losing him to begin with, I think that's when that that skid kind of started. But uh you know, thinking defensively it's great to have him back. But if he's out again when a time LSU needs to shore up their defense still, I don't know. You know, I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. They're saying he, they, that he had surgery and is going to be back in two weeks. I think, I guess he'll be back for in tournament time. I heard that. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate or not. But he had surgery back in January too. So oh, wait, did he have surgery again? Maybe, maybe that's incorrect. Maybe that, but I, okay. I've heard, I've I know heard he had surgery. Time. He had surgery in January and that's what he just came back from. So yeah. if this injury he has now requires surgery and it's another two weeks. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if he's back in two weeks. Great. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how about a response to having surgery twice within, you know, two months or so. Um, but God, God, uh, you know, God, Godspeed to uh, to him in his recovery if he's definitely having surgery. But but even still, even with without him, you know, with him, whatever the deal is, uh, you know, Will Wade's got to figure something out, uh, and he's got very little time to do it. Um, you know, because I, I still believe that LSU they have the talent, and I think Will Wade has at least enough of a grasp of what his team can do to beat the teams in the SEC. Um, you know, they've already beaten the best team in the SEC, which is Kentucky. They beat him by double digits. Uh, and they almost beat them at home. They just, you know, uh, you know, they just couldn't hold on. Uh, and they almost beat Auburn. Um, you know, there's just, they pretty much beat Auburn for, they beat Auburn for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, they can hang, they just got to close it out. And, uh, I don't know. It's if, like, if they won the SEC again, then you would think, all right, well, they're right back in it and hopes for the tournament would be kind of on an upswing. But unless that happens, I don't know. I feel like we're, where we were a few years ago, and if SEC or if LSU doesn't even make the NCAA tournament, do you, do you want the NIT? You know, that's yeah. kind of how the feeling we're probably going to have because back then we had Ben Simmons, and they just underwhelmed so much to the point where uh, I think Johnny Jones and the team, or Johnny Jones, basically just said, "You know what? We're just going to take this loss. We're not even going to show up to the NIT. We don't deserve it." And as a fan, I was not mad because yeah. I didn't want to watch more disappointment. So yeah. I, I'm kind of in that boat right now. It's like, if they don't even make the tournament, I don't care. Even if they do make the tournament, my, my expectations are severely tapered unless I see something in the next few weeks that makes me feel otherwise. That's all. Um, but Will Wade did have some good news. Um, I mean, they landed a, a couple prospects, uh, two actually in one day. Um, Will Wade signed Jarrell Colbert, who was a uh, – He's the number three player out of the state of Texas, the number four center in the country, and number 32 overall. And he, he picked LSU out of a lot of, a lot of other good programs, Oklahoma, Memphis, Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M. And um, he just felt like 
LSU was the best fit for him. He liked what, they, what he saw in practice. He thought Will Wade had a good system. Uh, and then they also signed uh, Eric Gaines that same day that uh, Gerald Colbert signed. So, uh, I mean, Will Wade's still doing good on the recruiting front. I guess he's just got to, you know, just got to shore up what they actually do when they're on the court. But all in all, an okay week for, for LSU basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that Will Wade can still do, it's all it's uh, make strong offers. So, That's good job true. on the recruiting, and <laughs> happy to uh, <laughs> I'll be happy to see them next year on the court. Amen. I, I don't think that one's ever going to get old. Um, but as far as uh, I don't know, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add as far as basketball? I think that's it. Just for an update, uh, we play at Arkansas on Wednesday and then at home against Georgia on Saturday to close out the regular season. So tune in there, uh, both decent teams, and look for the Tigers to make a push. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and I I looked it up. Um, Charles Manning actually did have surgery on the 24th of February, and he, he was out four weeks ago. I mean, four weeks. He was out for four weeks uh, a week ago. So he's got three weeks left, potentially. Um, They're saying, you know, doubtful for the SEC tournament, but, uh, you know, potentially for the the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I don't don't know. I mean, did it – I don't know. It wasn't like a night and day difference, though, when he came back from that first injury. I think everyone was pinning their hopes on it, but it it just didn't make a difference. So that's why I think it's a – it, you know, it was all their hopes weren't pinned on Charles Manning. It was just it's a team issue, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, but moving on to baseball. So LSU uh, had a, a good win midweek against an in-state rival, believe it or not. Uh, they beat La Tech, I believe it was 7-1. to one. Uh, Good good outing on the mound, good outing in the batter's box. All that was great. Uh, and then this weekend, they had the Shriners Classic in Houston, which I like to call Baton Rouge West, uh, plenty of LSU baseball fans in attendance. They, they really showed out, just like it was in Omaha. And, uh, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, news, the news folks said so. Uh, they actually won the first game against Texas 6-2. No, I'm sorry. They won the first game against Texas 4-3. The LSU was playing from behind at first, but they came back to win on a home run from uh, Daniel Cabrera, D.C. 8 and uh, avenged last year's sweep against the Longhorns. Uh, but then they lost the next game against Baylor 6-4. to four. And they were actually up, I believe, uh, four, to, four to nothing at one point. But they just they, they lost the game and they, they couldn't get it back. And then yesterday, uh, they lost a heartbreaker to Oklahoma. Um, it was basically a pitcher's duel into the eighth inning. Um, Oklahoma was able to get a one home run and LSU was not able to, to get anything. Uh, and then by anything, I mean, not even a hit. They were no hit against Oklahoma. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. You, I could just be the talent that, uh, that they, the pitcher they faced Dan, Dan Akers uh, from Oklahoma. He pitched a heck of a game. Uh, but you know, as a Tiger fan, you got to wonder, were we really not able to get one hit? Um, LSU had not been, no hit in nine innings in its entire history. Uh, they had back in 1978, but I believe that was an extra innings game. So, you know, it, I, I think if it was a standalone thing, 
I don't think anyone would think anything of it, but you know, for the last season or two, LSU's, you know, they've had some issues in the batter's box. Um, so it just brings up more questions, you know, as fans that sit back and expect great results from a great program, you, you just got to wonder, is it, is this really just a, a, a pitcher having, you know, a really great game or is it a symptom of something more? Uh, I don't know. I guess we can go to you, Daniel. Um, is, is it really just, you know, that's just baseball and there's plenty of other games to go. It's earlier in the season. Uh, I mean, I think it's a sign of something more serious. It definitely concerns me. Uh, at this point we're seven and five on the season, which in baseball you expect to kind of lose some ones that uh, may kind of go one way or the other, just because of how the way the game plays when just one big hit can make or break the game. But on average with the level of talent that LSU typically brings in every year, you expect them to be doing at least better than this in the early season goings. And this is before we even head into the sec play where I'm pretty sure like there's maybe eight top 25 teams or something like that. It was really just murderers row where college baseball lives at this point. And so if this is how we're kind of faring against non-conference mediocre at best competition then it's hard to get your hopes up for later on in the season as a tiger baseball fan and that's a little bit sad uh given the history and the potential that we have like last year making it to the super regionals and uh for a program where omaha is really the the goal every single year and so i don't know if i'm willing to say at this point it's time to fire Maneri, although i have been kind of thinking pretty strongly on it and i know that a lot of uh Tiger fans have been chirping online about that, but we'll see kind of how they deal with it at the end of the season. If things don't improve, I'll give a prediction now where I expect him to not be the coach next year. But if Mm. I think if we make it to a a super regional (laughs) or better then he's safe, but if we don't make it to a super regional, then I'm sorry, but I think he's gone. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. Um, Yeah. It's, you, you got to think at this, you know, kind of like how basketball, everything falls on Will Wade. In baseball, everything falls on Paul Maneri. But, you know, he, he had made a change in the offseason. He brought in a new hitting coach. Uh, you know, maybe it's going to take some time for him, some real changes to take place. Or it's just, I don't know, maybe maybe the hire might not be. The maybe he brought in a no-hitting coach and not a new hitting coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. tis. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like a Les Miles situation, you know? It's like the, the pitchers are doing great. Um, like, what, what more could you ask for from LSU's pitching staff yesterday? They went eight scoreless innings. And, you know, in, in, the, in the normal world, if, if LSU's pitching staff had eight scoreless innings but only gave up a home run, I mean, that was it. Then LSU um, wins by six runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, they, they have to score those six runs for that to happen. Yeah. And they're not. So, but I mean, just to put it in perspective, the, the first team they lost to Baylor, they beat everyone they played. They beat Missouri, they beat LSU, and they beat Arkansas. Not by much. All the games were close, but still, it's like, you know, they're strong. And, um, you know, as far as Oklahoma goes, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about this pitcher to say, you know, this is his normal day at the office or he, you know, just had a, a really good game for once in his life. Um, I guess – you know, if I cared more about Big 12 baseball, I, I might know more. But, um, but uh, you know, Oklahoma's, they're 9-3 and three themselves. And they also beat Arkansas. They lost to Missouri, but it was by one run. You know, that, that happens in baseball. But, um, 
yeah, I, I think that game really could have gone either way, but it would have come down to one bat stroke and LSU did not have it in them. So I guess we'll just look forward and uh, we'll, we'll put Maneri on hot seat alert, although he's got a long time to turn things around. And LSU baseball does tend to, you know, they can come on strong in the second half of the season like they have before. Like the last time they went to, to Omaha. So I guess we'll see. Well, um, and, and I'll add this. Uh, I saw this tweet from Charles Hanagriff from uh, 104.5 ESPN. I think it's, a, it's in Baton Rouge. Uh, and he said probably the most alarming stat for LSU following a weekend with plenty of them is this. In three games, LSU hitters walked eight times, struck out 34 times. So Ooh. that's not that's not what you want to see. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a lot of holes uh, in their bats. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that hitting coach is just telling them to swing for the fences every time. Normally, Maneri is pretty conservative. You know, he didn't really play small ball, but he, I don't know. That's that's a lot. That's a big ratio difference for uh, strikeouts to walks. So uh, maybe they need to make some adjustments. But you know, they they have a game. You know, they have another, yeah, they have another game. So, um, and then I think SEC play starts. So they got to figure it out quick. I think one thing to watch also talking about like the Maneri situation, when Scott Woodward gave his, his kind of opening speech to the, uh, I think it was the Baton Rouge Rotary Club. It was like his first public appearance as uh, LSU, um, uh, LSU athletic director, not like the acceptance one where he spoke in front of the press, but like this was him representing the university he talked about um, baseball specifically and how, you know, I understand that, that my goal is to win national championships. You know, football is king. I want to win that national championship football mission accomplished. But he said, you know, L- uh, LSU fans are about the only ones who can, who treat uh, LSU baseball like a, uh, you know, like football, basically, you know, we sell out the box and, you know, they're as rabid about baseball as they are about everything else. And so, I think I, I would not uh, I would not be surprised if he pulls the trigger on making a move, you know, early on. I don't think that he, you know, clearly he has no um, he he's here to get things done and make moves, and he's not afraid to spend money, and he's not afraid to you know do things that might upset boosters or upset uh, or you know upset the status quo. So, and I think and he understands the importance of LSU baseball to the fan base in general. So. You know, I think that if I, if we don't, if we have a disappointing season to go off kind of, you know, to echo what Daniel said, I would not be surprised if Woodward pulls the trigger. Right. Um, I would, I, I think you'd probably need to see more failure from Paul Maneri to want to pull some sort of trigger because, and I think we've talked about this uh, before, it, it might have been last season, but it's like Maneri won a title and how many active Division One coaches you know, can say that they have done that and like that, that are out there that LSU can get. Yeah. Like who are you going to replace him with? Um, I, I mean, their pitching is in place now, which was an issue the last few years. So you, you just got to think, well, they just got to solve hitting. It is early in the season. They have time to fix it, but they also have to fix it. And it's, it's going to get really hairy soon. If they, if they can at least start winning some of these, at least series against some of the, uh, the SEC opponents. Um, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, LSU fans, uh, you know, they, they're pretty much, I think they have probably better attendance and better support than most minor league teams. 
Well, LSU baseball is actually, I want to say the only baseball program in college, college sports that's revenue generating, like completely self-sustaining. Yeah. That might be wrong. I think I've heard something like that. Yeah. I've heard one of the only ones that turns a profit. Like we're definitely one of the, if we're not, we might not be the, the only one, but we're definitely one of the only ones, you know, everything else is, you know, every pretty much in most D one colleges, football is your revenue generator and everything else falls behind. Uh, basketball will generate revenue as well, but um, you know, for, in some schools, obviously Duke, they 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 sustain themselves real well. But um, yeah, LSU baseball is one is one of the only college baseball programs that can pay for themselves. Yeah, and I think if the other ones that are, I think they reside in the SEC also. I think it's like uh, Mississippi State, Miss Texas, or... yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I I know Ole Miss they or Mississippi State they built like student lofts in their outfield. Um, and they have like these little game day decks out there that they can quote unquote party on. Uh, hmm. So I, I think it's definitely an SEC thing to where, you know, it, it literally just means more <laughs> because they, they put more money into it. The fans are more into it. Um, you know, I, I, there's just something about it. And they're always in the, uh, there's always at least three or four teams in the, the college world series. Hopefully that'll be LSU this year. Um, I, we got a long time to figure that out though. Um, but, uh, moving right along, uh, you want to hit the NFL combine, hit that, hit that combine real quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tommy uh, was the Tommy watched a lot. I know. So you can uh, lead us off on that one. Yeah. So last night, uh, for those of the listeners who want to, uh, learn more about my, uh, my sleep situation, I don't sleep very well at all. So I normally watch TV very late at night. So uh, last night I ended up watching the uh, the NFL Combine. Specifically, it was uh, it, they were doing DBs. They were showing. I, I mean, it's, it was not obviously not uh, live because it was at one o'clock in the morning. But um, I got to see all the DBs do all their drills. And Deion Sanders was there talking. So you saw Christian Fulton, Jeff Okuda, uh, Stephon Diggs. Um, who else? Uh, Isaiah Simmons. Stephon um, Diggs or Trayvon Diggs? Oh wait, Tra- Trayvon Diggs. Sorry, his brother. His brother. Yeah. Um, who else was there? I'm trying. I'm trying to think. There were. I mean, everybody was there. But anyways, so yeah, watch that. Um, you know, it was cool to see Christian Fulton. Uh, you know, do all his drills. Everybody looked. You know, he looked good. They were all over Jeff Akuda, which was uh, kind of interesting. But because um, I, I would tend to think that I'm kind of a kind of a Christian Fulton guy, so I watched the NFL Combine. Uh, or watched a lot of the the DBs and uh, and then of course we I think we all saw you know some of the success that uh, Justin Jefferson Clyde edwards um, you know that they had uh, also Richard Lawrence our own Monroe product looking good at the combine you know it, it's a uh, it was it, I think that Deion Sanders said it best he, in that when I was watching last night he um, they said it was right before Christian Fulton was going to run his forty at. I think it was, he was, he, Christian Fulton was doing a drill. I think it was his 40. And they say, you know, Christian Fulton from LSU, uh, one of 16, uh, 16 players invited to the combine. And uh, they cut to Deion Sanders and he goes, uh, you know, oh, well, that just shows what winning can do for you. <laughs> because, you know, winning just makes everybody who, who's great or everybody who's good, great. And everybody who's okay, but good, good enough to get in. So, um, you know, that's good. And I'm, I'm happy for all of our, all of our players at the combine. 
Um, it was interesting also in LSU, you know, kind of going off LSU, they had uh, Dion was actually joined at one point by Jamal Adams, kind of talking about the combine and going over the different DB drills. And, you know, he was talking about how for him, the combine wasn't even that important. It was more, he cared more about the pro day and he didn't actually do as well in the combine as he wanted. His 40 was a little bit too slow and uh, he was kind of thrown off by that. Every, everything in his mind was after doing poorly on the 40, he kind of, you know, zoned out and didn't do as well. So but then when he came back for the, for the pro day, he really kind of showed out. So um, yeah, I mean, it was cool. You know, it was good, a good, uh, good thing to watch, but uh, yeah. So the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, there's some, some impressive uh, 40 times by tigers. It was, it was actually trending on Twitter, Justin Jefferson's 40 time. Uh, Patrick Queen had a really good 40 time uh, for a linebacker. Yeah. Though I think on his second one, he, he pulled his hamstring, didn't he? Yeah, he wasn't the only one. Um, There's a couple other guys that, that pulled their hamstrings right after their 40. Which, Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry did. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, it, I'm not sure if that's going to hurt them, but I, I guess it happens. But the, the fact that their times were so good, hopefully it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I think Patrick Queen's one of those guys where the, as the season went along, but then also the national championship game, he really improved his stock. So just to have that good 40 time, it improved his stock even more. They, they, and then, you know, I can kind of agree with it. Winning, winning helps you. It, it, it did give all those guys some momentum because, you know, to, to be on the team that beat everybody when no one expected you to, all those teams, you beat Tua, you beat Trevor Lawrence, you beat everybody else. Um, you know, that, that, that talks about some individual achievements. Because it does take those to to make all the plays work, but um, you know what you didn't see was uh, was Joe Burrow doing anything. Yeah, and uh, he said he he didn't feel, you know, he just didn't feel like he had enough time to prepare. Because and I don't know if this was, you know, a clever play on his part just to kind of reemphasize the season he just has. Like you know, what, guys, I just I did not have enough time to prepare as I wanted to. You know, my we made the SEC championship game we won that then you know we had to go to the playoff we won that first game so then we had to stick around for that championship game we won that and I, then I had to go to New York for the Heisman <laughs> uh, then it just, I just didn't have time to prepare you know I'm sorry and I get it and it's funny you mentioned Deion Sanders because he famously uh, I think went to the draft showed up in a limo got out ran his 40 and then got back in and left and that's all he wanted to show and I mean, that's all I had to show. He was a, he was a first round pick, but <laughs> that all Dion, he said, you know what? Everything I did on the field at FSU stands for itself. You want me cause I'm fast and I'm good. I'm just going to show up and show you how fast I am again and then leave. So I, I thought that was funny, but I don't know. It's, I, I guess I can agree with Joe Burrow. It's hopefully it doesn't hurt him. Uh, hopefully it doesn't play into this you know, whole thing, but we talked about last week about him, you know, maybe not going to Cincinnati and having leverage and, you know, pulling some sort of drama play for whatever reason, but uh, yeah. Although he did say during the uh, the combine that like he was going to play for whatever team wanted him, and like yeah. he, like would not shy away from the Bengals if they picked him, and he was all about that. So I guess that's good. He's at least kind of on the surface, it seems, trying to reassure teams that he'll be that team player and not prima donna guy. Right, and I, I think they can understand that if he doesn't want to go out there and just kind of you know, not show his best because he hasn't been prepared for it. Um, although, I mean, he, it's not like he was playing some other sport. 
and going out for like the MLB draft or combine or whatever. He was playing football the whole time, but still, uh, I think it's, it's a very unique skill set to go to the, the combine because you're not doing three shuttle cone drills when you're preparing for a national championship game. But I digress. Um, hopefully LSU Pro Day, I imagine they're going to have a lot of attention, more than they usually do. They usually yeah. have pretty good attention, but um, probably more so this year with all the guys they're going to be. Because, uh, you know, uh, I don't think uh, Thaddeus Moss also decided not to do anything. You know, uh, there's several guys that decided not to do anything for the, the combine other than just get measured, I guess. But um, yeah, Thad Moss, he's actually hurt. He has to have a surgery. He could be out for like eight weeks. And then Grant Delpit and uh, Kalewan Chason didn't do any drills either. Both, I think, are kind of nursing a little bit of minor injuries. Yeah. Uh, but, Grant yeah, but was think- there. He just didn't. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He was at, I think he was at the combine there. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, you know what though? Clyde Edward Chalier did. Uh yes, he everybody. Yeah. He they all they what's funny is they asked him to work out as a wide receiver. And I thought at first, you know, is that a slight? Is this another uh he's too short to to play in the NFL thing? But no, I think they just really wanted to see his run catching or his pass catching abilities. Uh just to see if they really can use him because you know, with guys like Darren Sproles and Boston Scott, both at Philadelphia, actually. You can use a shifty running back in the NFL, but you're really going to use him in pass catching. So mm-hmm. I, I thought he showed out really well. Um, I mean, he was already – I thought he did fine during the regular season, but I guess they just wanted to make sure he could catch the ball before they draft him. Well, I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, and, and our buddy Josh LeMoyne, who has been on the podcast before, you know, he said uh, back – kind of when, when Clyde kind of had his coming out party, you know, three, four, five weeks into the season um, that, you know, he was with every passing game, he's just making more and more money for himself in the draft because in today's NFL, uh, you know, it's not the, you don't necessarily need the downhill, big hulking running back. You can, you, you know, it's more, you can play a running back position as more of a uh, fifth receiver. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, with the way the Saints use Alvin Kamara, you know, that's a good example. Uh, they'll split him out. They'll put him at the, you know, at the flanker position. So, well, guess what? Joe Brady did the same thing with uh, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So working him out at a wide receiver, you know, it makes perfect sense to me. And I think that, you know, for it, he – I don't know if any player uh, in this draft has, has skyrocketed as much in a, such a short time as, as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has. Because I don't even know if he was really on the NFL radar going into the season. I know he wasn't on my radar. You know, I thought, okay, he'll 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 do his thing. He'll be a, a serviceable back for us. But I'm really ready to see Ty Davis Price and John Emery. You know, I I probably would have predicted prior to the season starting. I probably would have predicted that um, one of the freshmen would would kind of would move in, just because I hadn't seen much from him. And you know, I I. I don't know. I just wasn't, I was, you know, I wasn't as high on him, but him, you know, with the way that he played his entire, the entire season. And then um, with the performance he had at the combine, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm seeing some people say he might even have earned himself a, a first round spot. I don't know if that's necessarily true. And I don't know if, you know, he probably, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm reading it right here. Wow. Some scouts are, are saying, you know, they, they moved him into their, to a, a potential first round. Now, I don't like I said, I don't know if that, that might be, that might be, uh, you know, LSU scout number seven or something, <laughs> but right. um, regardless, the guys, the guys has skyrocketed his draft stock and 
you know, there's a lot to be proud of there. And I think he'll definitely with the kind of um, grit that he's shown all season, uh, you know, with a lot of people saying, Oh, you're too small. Da, 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 da. I mean, he, uh, he's going to, I think he'll have some success at the next level. Definitely. Um, I mean, he, he had a good 40 time. He had a four, six, uh, 40 time at the, at the combine. And, you know, there was four NFL greats, Ladanian Tomlinson, who I would similar who had, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, just their style. I know, I think Tomlinson's a little bit bigger in size, but just their running style is very similar. And he says, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was as good as advertised. He calls him, he said he was like the number two back, but he, he thought he was great. Just all the lateral movements he has and just, he's one of those guys that's like an all purpose type. You can hand it to him. You could do a toss to him. You could throw him a pass and he'd be good in all three. So um, I agree with you. I think he, he only helped himself. Hopefully we'd like to see him go in the first round because uh, I think he is that good. And yeah. whatever, whatever they think he, I, I don't know what you think he might be lacking in, but one thing he's not lacking in is heart. And yeah. I think he's definitely showed that over the season and in the, uh, in the postseason. So I uh, guess we'll see. We'll see what the, uh, I don't know what Mayor, <laughs> I don't know what Mel Kuyper put him at, but it's probably wrong. It's probably going to go way higher than that. But anyway, um, yeah, the draft's going to be coming up here in another month. So I guess, I guess we'll, we'll tune in and see. And Ju- Justin Jefferson, you know, shout out to him as well. He had a, a great, great uh, combine performance and, you know, people were putting him in the first round as well too. So a lot yeah, of, uh, everybody, everybody knew that he could have like one of the best hands in the country and crisp route runner, but just his explosive athleticism was maybe a little bit in question. And then I think he disproved the haters on that one with this fast 40 time and then looking really good in all the drills, but yeah. Yeah. He looked really good in that, uh, in the, the, I don't even know what it's called, but the drill where they, where you run and like catch and then drop the ball and run and catch it. You know what I'm talking about? Gauntlet. The gauntlet. Okay, the yeah. gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was one that was going all over Twitter. You know, they were saying, look at this is the best, best wide receiver in this draft right here. So, mm-hmm. and you know, that was just the combine LSU has their pro day coming up. And I think most of the guys are going to show up there. I can understand, you know, if they're injured, that's one thing, but I think some of the other guys, you know, they don't want to put themselves in a position to have any, any sort of knock count against them. Yeah. Uh, you can go into the combine and, you know, if you just don't look da- if you're not dazzling them, then, you know, they're just kind of, kind of moving on. Kind of like that team in hunger games where, you know, Katniss was trying to show her skills, but they just weren't paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that can happen. And it's like, you're going to trust your career the next level of your career is someone that you've never caught a ball from or anything like that. So I think some of these guys would rather wait and get a ball from Joe Burrow at their pro day inside their practice facility versus someone they've never met inside, uh, you know, a dome in Indianapolis. So who can blame them? You know, it's, this is, this is their, their time to shine. They, they might as well choose the setting. Yeah. And if, and if you're, you know, if you're on top of the mountain, like most of our LSU players are, you know, being the, the reigning national champions and especially for Burrow, you know, you're the Heisman trophy winner. You don't have to prove it. You don't have anything to prove. You know, <laughs> you, you can, uh, you can wait till your pro day or, and, and just, and just, uh, you know, say, no, nah, I'm not gonna, I don't need to like, you know, you've seen enough. So, yeah. Um, but I, I wish, I wish we could get into the pro day. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we can, but, um, that'd be definitely cool to go to. Absolutely. 
Uh, another small bit of LSU news. Um, I don't really know how much this is going to affect the program, but LSU was said to be hiring um, the tight ends coach from McNeese State, Derek Shea. Uh, I guess he's going to be focusing on the tight end for position uh, and probably working with our, our, uh, our big tight end recruit, Eric Gilbert, when he comes in uh, because the old tight ends coach, uh, John DeCoster, left for a job at Old Dominion. So just a small bit of news there. I, I never really know how to judge these because, you know, now they have all these unlimited analyst positions. I know he's a tight end coach, but there's all these other positions that keep getting filled. And you think, well, you know, if it's not the the DC or the OC or, you know, some position that LSU is known for, like defensive backs coach or something, does it really make a difference? But last year, you know, Joe Brady kind of changed that because he – he kind of changed a lot in his his one year there. You could definitely feel his presence, but I, I don't I don't think this is that type of hire. But you know, you just I don't know. You never know. But it's good that they're bringing in someone because uh, I think Eric Gilbert would be a really good asset. He could be what Thaddeus Moss, you know, probably could have been if he was here for all four years. Um, but well, we, I'm sure we're going to find out next season. Just wanted to add that little tidbit into the football patch. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that. Um... I mean, from what if if all the if all the reports are are correct on Eric Gilbert, he's going to be a, a an extreme talent to watch, and you know we're going to be looking at him as one of the you know one of the premier players we ever had, if everything yeah. pans out. So I'm very excited to see him. Um, you know, he's not he's not an early enrollee, right? Is he is he on campus right now? I don't think so. I don't think he is either. Um, so I don't, so we won't see him in the spring, in the spring game. I do not believe, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be eager, eager to see him as soon as he gets on campus. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, another small bit of news, actually, we, uh, probably could have mentioned this with the basketball, uh, roundup, but LSU retired, uh, former LSU star at the time it was Chris Jackson, but he's now, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, they retired his number, and rightfully so. Uh, just an amazing career in, at LSU, and uh, you know, there's plenty of people on hand. Shaq was there, I believe, and uh, just a very special well, moment. Shaq videoed in. We were, yeah, we were, did we were he? there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they put a, it up, and they were like, "Look at the board. Here's Shaq." It was like a Skype yeah. tribute. Same with Dale Brown too, I believe, who was his coach at the time. Well, he uh, was actually there. I think Dale Brown yeah. was, was in the yeah. Building. He was he was there. They were hugging and oh, stuff. So that I'm was, looking at something now. The only okay. one that wasn't. They, they did show a video though. They showed a video of Dale Brown like narrating. That's like, what I'm thinking. Tribute of. to him. Okay. Um, but he was also present. Okay. Right on. Uh, but you you guys were at that game, right? Yeah. God, what was it? What was it like to you know? They, obviously, they won. It was great to be at the game. But how was the uh, ceremony? It was pretty cool. Um, they, they did it at halftime and then they, uh, you could like, when we got there, they had the banner, uh, I think it was in between Pete Maravich and Shaquille O'Neal just covered up like in black tarp, but you, you knew what was going to happen. And then they, they brought him out with his family and then they lined up, I think it was all of his former teammates, I guess who could make it. And then Dale Brown. And then they had the other, um, LSU hall of famers, uh, Bob Pettit. And, uh, gosh, there was one other, I can't remember his name. They had, uh, well, they had, um, Pete Maravich's like daughter or something, right? I think it was his his 
widow uh, wife was there. Um, but yeah, it was pretty touching. And then, so they kind of dimmed the lights and then slowly raised the, the black tarp away from the banner. And then uh, just right in between there, everybody was clapping, standing up. And he gave a, a short speech, probably five minutes, just kind of thanking everybody, um, really well-spoken. And so everybody seemed to be into it. They also kind of played his, his sizzle reel of highlights and stuff, which was obviously kind of got everybody going. My yeah. uncle actually got the, uh, the tickets from, was at LSU while – uh, the former Chris Jackson was playing there. He said he was like absolutely his favorite player to watch and wish he could, his, he could have been there, but it, it was a special moment. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, right on. That's all Tommy has to say about that. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it was yeah, a cool, yeah. it was a cool moment. What can I say? You know, I was glad to be there. Glad to support uh, my mood. And um, yeah, it was nice to see Shaq on the big screen. <laughs> Hopefully when his son plays for us, he'll be there in real life. Hopefully. Did you guys find anything else this week? I just wanted to follow up really quickly on the uh, the SEC indoor track championships. The women uh, were in; they came in second. The men also came in second. Actually, almost the same scores, uh, respect you know, for for each. Uh, but just wanted to follow up on that. Uh, That's pretty good showing. Um, we'll, we'll see what they're going to do in the nationals. But just just a quick mention for track there. Shout out! Um, shout outs. Uh, I rewatched the Peach Bowl the other day, and uh, that was fun. You know, we might not have put up uh, any runs on Oklahoma in baseball, but we sure did put up enough points on them in football. So, yeah, <laughs> that was it. Was two, it was two months ago? I think on Saturday that uh, that LSU put up that many that many points. So that's cool. Yeah, and I was actually I was actually working back in that stadium on Saturday for a completely different event. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was. This was a uh, Supercross, the Supercross series, and um, which is like the motorcycles, like the exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was just nice to be back there. I could just hear the tiger cheers, you know, in reminiscence while I was there. But it, it was nice, uh, just and I just sat there and thought, wow, I can't believe LSU was here less than two months ago and they just scored 63 points in a college football playoff semifinal. That was amazing to see. Uh, but anyway, you have, uh, you guys have anything else that you wanted to mention or is that, a uh, is that pretty much cover it all? I think that about wraps it. The only thing I wanted to say is, uh, just a friendly reminder, reminder that this is March. So yeah. anything uh, can happen in the month of March, That's especially true. in college basketball. So, uh, public service announcement to, that hashtag this is March. Be prepared to watch out for madness in all aspects of life. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared yes. to anytime anytime anything happens w- involving a basketball hashtag this is march <laughs> mm-hmm. yes and beware the ides of march uh which are are definitely coming up um i don't know if we're going to be in some sort of mercury, mercury retrograde or whatever the, that stuff is but be on the lookout for that stuff too yeah, i don't <laughs> think there's anything else uh I, I think we pretty much covered everything uh we're gonna wait and see what happens with baseball Hopefully they'll turn things around with the bats. Basketball, hopefully they'll turn things around defensively. Um, they'll have to do that really quickly. But I think that'll just about do it for us this week on Talking Tigs. Tune in next week. We're going to have some more LSU baseball and basketball news. And, of course, anything else that happens in Tigerland. So stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Tigs. Talking Tigs.